I'm Stephanie. And I'm Rachel. And this is Neurodivergent Voices, the podcast amplifying the voices and lived experience of the neurodivergent community. We're licensed occupational therapists who specialize in the brain and are neurodivergent ourselves. Join us every so often in this podcast that is for you and by you, the neurodivergent community. If you're interested in learning more about neurodiversity and joining a vibrant community of neuro-inclusive adults, head to our website, divergecommunity.com. Interested in an interview? Email divergecs at gmail.com to get it scheduled. Let's get to it. In this episode, you're going to hear from Terrence. Terrence is a father, business owner, vice president, former professional athlete of not one, but two different sports, and someone who identifies with ADHD. Listen in. So let's start off. Um, can, can you share your name with us and where you live? Yeah, so my name is Terrence Wheatley. I just moved from Dallas, and now I live in Phoenix, Arizona, more specifically in Verado, which is this uh, kind of awesome kind of community kind of tucked up against the mountain. Beautiful, beautiful. Terrence, you want to share a little bit about um, kind of what you're currently doing for a living and what you've done for a living in the past? Yeah, so I, I guess I'll go back to the the beginning. That's kind of how my brain, I guess, works. Otherwise, I'll be all over the place and this will be the longest interview ever. Um, <laughs> you're in so good company, I'm, Terrence. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grew up in uh, I grew up in Dallas. Uh, grew up there for probably most of my life. Okay. Uh, I got two younger brothers, uh, good family. I uh, was lucky enough to go to college, went to college at the University of Colorado. Uh, I decided to be an engineer and an athlete at the same time, which in hindsight proved to be a very bad thought. That was not Sounds like a lot. Yeah, when your first class is calculus for engineers and your teacher wears a Superman watch with the theme song that goes off on the hour every hour, <laughs> probably know that it's probably not the class for you. <laughs> um, and I got an F in it. So I decided to pivot and uh, actually ended up graduating with my degree in economics and Ooh. actually got a minor in atmospheric sciences, which is just a fancy term for weather. Um, I was a big weather nerd and still a big thought about nerd. that. Yeah. Okay. yeah as, as a, as a kid. So, uh, played there, got drafted, uh, played in the NFL for six years. Uh, once I retired, uh, decided to be a pro golfer, uh, left playing golf. That was kind of my escape from, from the world. Uh, figured out that being a pro golfer is not fun. Uh, so I quit that. <laughs> And decided to work for the Cowboys. I worked for the Cowboys for a number of years in their front office, uh, really just helping them grow their brand and their business. Uh, so I did that for about five years. And then I got into the sports technology space, which is what I do now, uh, mostly on the health and safety side. So the first company that I worked for made a mouthpiece that tracked uh, head impacts in really an effort to figure out, can we help with the diagnosis of TBIs, not necessarily concussions, but just TBIs in general. Sure. Uh, so I did that for a while. And then I transitioned over to what I do now, which is tackling analytics in American football and then rugby. And the reason that I did that was really I wanted to marry the two data sets to, together, right? Can we take the head, head impacts in a system for tackling 
invalidate both that this is truly a safer option uh, for folks. And so I do that now. I still consult for a number of other companies. Um, I think I consult for like six different companies uh, kind of on the side. And then I most recently, for some reason, decided to start my own yard sign business. So if you get a happy birthday sign uh, and you live in Arizona, then I'm probably your guy. Um, so that's <laughs> kind of what I do now. Wow. You have a very unique journey. And I hope this doesn't offend you, but it sounds like the most like classic neurodivergent story I've ever heard. It's like, okay, I did this and I was like, I was all out in this and I became really amazing. And then I totally switched gears. <laughs> and I love the addition at the end of, and now I have. A yeah. my <laughs> uh, When I was in college, my dad, I forgot the name of the book. He wanted me to read some book and there was a particular chapter that talked about how I had a really hard time, like finishing one project, right? I never lived in the moment per se, right? I was, I was always halfway through something. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm on to the next one. Yeah. Right. And part of that is, I think, ambition, right? Wanting to be successful. And I think the other part of it is I just don't know any better. That's just kind of how my brain works, right? I need, once I, once I'm good at something, I get bored very easily, okay. right? And I need something else to do. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think your journey is particularly interesting because it's not like you just went and dabbled in different things. Um, you went to a pretty high level in all of them, right? You went to a professional level in both football and golf and then went off to not only be a part of this company, but I believe you were the vice president. Yeah, so I'm actually the chief chief revenue off, officer now for my current company. Uh, the company before that with the TBI space, I was their director of sales, but it was it was interesting. So if you look at kind of what I did, I mean, I went from running events and camps and clinics and, you know, more operations and HR kind of for the Cowboys to the TBI space where I'm talking to neurologists and scientists and researchers um and having no background in it right like i didn't know what the hell they were talking about when i took the job <laughs> right i just had i just happened to have a lot of connections with the space being a former athlete um but being able to learn so much about it so like you know even now you know chris chris Nowinski, who is kind of the anti-football guy but you know he's big in the the tbi space and trying to figure things out with concussions and head injuries you know i could pick up the phone and give him a call and I used to watch him on TV when he was an actual wrestler. So it's, that's kind of weird and crazy at the same time. Cause it's like, I used to remember when you used to wear speedos back in the day and now you wear a suit. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because part of, I think my particular issue is again, it's twofold, right? It's number one, that's just the way my brain works. But then two, there's this ambition of not only am I going to do something different, but I want to, to be good at it. Right. As opposed to I'm just doing stuff for the sake of doing it. Right. Yeah. So it's it's been interesting. It's been fun. Uh, it's definitely not a boring day. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm always talking to somebody doing something. Uh, sometimes I talk to people involved in three different companies, three different projects. Yeah. Uh, just just depends on the day. Well, I really appreciate you making time for me and for this podcast. So yeah, no, it's it's, it's important for us to 
to be able to talk and communicate and, and have these honest conversations, um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a, a stigma when it comes to this type of topic. I mean, there's very successful people that just do stuff abnormally. I, I, I tell people when I do do actually talk to, to, to youth and high school athletes or just people in general, I mean, if you want to be a quote unquote average person, you do average things, but people that, you know, find a way to kind of harness their ability to multitask, which I'm very good at, um, and then be good at that and be resourceful with it. You know, that's how you're able to be successful, right? Because all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're putting, you're able to process a lot of information really fast, um, but there's a rhyme and reason behind it. So, you know, if you want to be successful, do something abnormal. Mm. Oh, I love that. I really I want to write that one down. It's it's so apparent to me in, in the way that you're talking that you have really um, embraced, in a lot of sense, your differences and your strengths. And I think that that is kind of what this podcast is all about, is about seeing that even though our brains work differently, everyone's brain works differently, that can be an advantage to an extent, right? That allows us to think that maybe we can do some crazy things that other people wouldn't even dream of doing, right? Yeah, I mean, there's certain jobs that you have to multitask. So like what I do now uh, with the tackling analytics. So, you know, the big part of my job is handling contracts and handling large scale uh, partnerships or deals. So like, you know, as an example, in the state of Texas right now, we, my company has to certify every single secondary school coach. So if you're a middle school coach or a high school coach, you have to be certified in our tackling system and our software. Um, and that's 23,000 or so coaches uh, that we deal with. Um, and that's a big deal because I'm talking to, you know, the governing body, which is the UIL, which is a function of the state. We're also talking to the coaches association. Then you're talking to individual coaches. Then you're talking mm -hmm. to school districts and administrators. Um, so you're talking to all these different people. Um, so being able to communicate well and multitask, um, you know, somebody with ADHD Right. Like I like that stimulation. I'm not talking just yeah. to the same person forever. Um, that would be boring. Or <laughs> this latest uh, project that I'm doing, we're doing a similar uh, type of deal with the NJCAA. They'll actually be the first kind of governing body in college athletics that will basically hire us to provide, again, kind of the same thing, coaches, education and analytics from a tackling perspective to all 55 schools. So again, now I'm talking to NJCAA, 55 different teams, um, and the list goes on, right? So I've, at least personally with me, uh, embraced the fact that, number one, I like to uh, multitask and communicate and deal with different problems, um, but that's what I'm good at just inherently, mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to fight it. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of get nervous with that, right? It's, it's, you know, like for me, I wouldn't apply to be an accountant, right? I just, I wouldn't be able to sit down and just look at numbers all day. I love numbers, but each number has to have a different problem for me. And yeah. that's how I kind of function. Absolutely. I can remember Terrence when we first met, um, <laughs> I remember you were getting some feedback that was very similar to feedback I've gotten all the time is why don't you just sit still? And for me, that's just like, they just don't under, they just weren't understanding like how we operate and the essence of our existence. It's like just sitting still for me 
is so understimulating and it's there's there's so many problems I could be addressing or there's so many so many things I want to explore so to just sit still almost feels just like I, I just can't resonate with that yeah just um you can't <laughs> do it and it's almost painful right I mean that was that was one of yeah. the, that was one of the challenges yeah. that, that that I had that you guys gave me was to uh to sit still and watch an entire movie <laughs> pretty sure I made it through the first five minutes and I was like, I, I just can't do it. Yeah. But if we can appreciate that for not something that needs to be changed, right? If it's not causing ourselves or others harm and it's actually resulting in, in productivity and, you know, contributions to society, then it's like, just let us be, man. You know, it's yeah. like, it's be it's a whirlwind. you don't have to be. <laughs> and it's interesting because like I said earlier, like I, I sit down and I read contracts and I write contracts. So you would think that somebody that would, that does that for a living would be able to sit still and do that. But something like a movie, I also figured out being around you guys that my brain processes information a certain way. And I didn't really understand it for a very long time. I mean, shit, I'm 38 years old, about to be 38 years old now. And so I don't look at the whole sentence, right? I pick out big chunks of things and I kind of ignore all the small stuff. And so when I look at contracts, I almost reverse it. I have to look at really, really small things and I enjoy that because it's almost like a new challenge wow. every time I look at a contract. So obviously the big ones are easy. Yeah. This is how much it's worth. This is the start date. This is the end date. But being very specific in the wording that protects us as a company and protects them as a client is something that I'm a big, I'm a big stickler on because now I'm basically going on a scavenger hunt for specific words embedded in the contract that is beneficial to both parties. You just gave me, I don't know if you could tell, but you just gave me an aha moment there. So you were talking about how it's, it's not your typical way of thinking and it's something that like maybe is not inherently easy for you. And so viewing it as a challenge actually makes it more interesting for you. It makes it something that then does become interesting and catches your attention. And so now I'm kind of thinking about, like, for me, I'm the same way with the detail stuff. And I always just yeah. kind of have this feeling of resentment. It's like, it's not something I'm good at. I'm self-conscious of it. So I'm just not going to do it. But I'm also someone who loves a challenge and loves to learn. So framing it in the sense of, hey, I wonder if I could challenge myself to find all the small details and all the small errors that no one else did i could see that working for me so thank you for that yeah i think a lot I of like people that. could just kind of turn it around right yeah. and, and make it a challenge it's not and it's not like you have to do it a lot right i don't right. write a contract every day but when given the opportunity take it as a challenge right mm -hmm. it's 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 something that I think would be enjoyable, right? Like, can I accomplish this, even if it's once a week or twice a week or whatever it is, right? As yeah. opposed to, uh, if you had to do it every day, then obviously it would it would it would kind of suck, right? But right, right. When when that opportunity does come around, it's kind of like, okay, let me look at the contract. Let me look at look at specific things. Like, I'm looking for, for very. I mean, these contracts are like twelve pages long. <laughs> Um, and the font's like super small, <laughs> which I probably should have them make it a little bit bigger because my eyesight is <laughs> not exactly stellar. Um, <laughs> but it is it is a challenge in its own right. And I think 
part of having ADHD and some of the other things is I like a challenge, mm-hmm. right? So just look at it that way, as opposed to, uh, I'm just looking at small details with no rhyme and reason behind mm-hmm. it. So we've, we've alluded um, quite a bit about like how you might relate to the term neurodivergent. Are you comfortable sharing a little bit more about, you've dropped ADHD a little bit, but do you mind explaining a little bit more about why you relate to neurodivergent? Yeah. So for a long time, I've always been the one that like can't sit still. I'm always all over the place. That's, you know, I kind of alluded to it with my dad saying, Hey, look, you don't ever really finish anything. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I guess a year and a half ago, you know, I had some personal issues go down and I was lucky enough to meet you guys in Michigan. Um, and figured out, like, I already knew I had anxiety and all those different things. Most athletes do inherently, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a lot of stress <laughs> to, uh, to deal with that. But why do you have anxiety when people talk to you? You seem so confident, right? You seem so reassured in what you're saying. You seem very calm, cool, and collected. Um, but that's my natural environment. Right. That's that's yeah. how I've always kind of functioned. Um, but I'm also able to talk and talk about different subjects. So all of a sudden I'm very, very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I talked to a doctor and within about five minutes, he stopped me and said, you do know you have full blown like ADHD, right? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? What? I'm 30. <laughs> 36 years old and there's no way I have ADHD. They would have diagnosed me years ago. And so he started talking about how, like when I was a kid, as an example, I was always very intelligent, but I never studied, never, ever studied, never wanted to study number one. And I couldn't study. I didn't know how to study. Cause again, like I said earlier, the way my brain works is I pick up big pieces and I, I eliminate all the garbage in between. So I'm really good with numbers. I can memorize numbers all day, mm-hmm. right? I just remember a pattern and I stick with the pattern and that's kind of how it goes. He said, what happens is with a lot of people that have ADD or ADHD, they purely rely on their intelligence as long as they can because they can't mm-hmm. focus long enough to actually listen to information right? Information kind of comes in. I catch the first half and the last half of it. Everything in between is gone. And so the older you get, you'll see your grades and your ability to rely on your intelligence. Inherently, it will start to, you know, (laughs) go down. And I was like, holy shit, that explains why as soon as I got to college, my grades like weren't great. Not an idiot. Every time I take an IQ test, it's fairly high. I got a good paying job. I do a lot. I was like, this is interesting. And so part of that conversation was eye-opening to me, but he was like, it also explains why you're also really good at sports. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you process information really fast and it's different information. So, you know, for, for everybody, a good example is like when you're playing football, it's a different play every time it comes in but the situation is different. So I'm looking at down a distance. What's the personnel? Who's in the game? What number do they wear? What's the call? What is the strength and weakness of the defense? Okay, what hash is it on? Which way is the wind blowing? Are we home or away? 
right? Am I near my coach? Like I'm processing all this information really, really fast before the play even starts. And then when the play is going, you're still processing information as you're moving. And so having ADHD, which a lot of guys do, a lot of, a lot of athletes do have either ADD or ADHD, it actually allows us to process information super quick because mm-hmm. that's what our brain wants to do. Um, and so, you know, a, a good example would be, let's say a, a regular person, if I told you to walk in a straight line down the street and text on your phone, you'd probably trip on something, run into a brick wall or fall down, right? For us, imagine trying to process all this stuff in like running and jumping and doing all these different things. And so when I had this conversation, I was like, this makes complete mm. sense, right? And it was like, that's why all of a sudden I go into the working world and I'm able to multitask really easy. So when I work with the Cowboys running events as a, as a department of one, you know, I'm talking to HR, I'm talking to lawyers, I'm talking to operations, I'm talking to all the parents, I'm talking to thousands of people at an event. And I'm completely comfortable. (laughs) It does not stress me out at all. Right. Um, And for a lot of people, their brain would explode number, number one, but then two, it just, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Um, And so having that diagnosis actually gave me reassurance, like, okay, I'm not completely out of my mind, (laughs) but it also explains why I'm really good at some things and some things I'm just not really good at. Um, and it allows me now to kind of take my talents elsewhere. So like when I was with you guys, I always had this fascination with music. So I learned to play the guitar in like two days. Um, I started painting and doing all these different things, things that I wouldn't do. Um, but it was like another challenge. Um, so it's been going through this journey has been very interesting and rewarding and you know, I, I think now for the first time, I just don't have any apologies. It's kind of like I am who I am. And if you don't like it, then high five and see you later. Right? Like I'm, I'm there, I think I'm doing OK. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Well, so before we started this interview, you were sharing a little bit about um, your children with me. And I'm curious to see if identifying this diagnosis within yourself has. And I'm sorry, I'm throwing this total curveball question at you. Yeah, here we go. Um, identifying this diagnosis within yourself has changed the way in which you engage with your children or support them in what sounds like ADHD for them too. Yeah. So maybe my kids are super young. Um, you know, the oldest one is six, got a four-year-old, got a a two-year-old, almost three-year-old now. Can't sit still. Can't sit still to save their life. And all kids can't. Right. It's not not just my kids. My kids are to the extreme. But, you know, I look at the way that they process information. I look at the way that they have to have stimulation. Right. Not just mental, but for them, it's physical. Right. Like so for me and my ADHD diagnosis, it's not a hyperactive deal. Right. I don't skew on that side where I have to constantly move. I just have to constantly think. Right. That's that's my that's my deal. Uh, my kids are not that looking at them, something as simple as sitting down and watching an iPad for somebody that has ADD or ADHD 
depending on if you're hyperactive or not, at least in my opinion, is a good indication because you can just constantly change what you're looking at. My kids can't do that. <laughs> Unless they're in their car seat where they can't physically move, then that's enough stimulation just moving their finger. Yeah. But when I look at it, I'm like, okay, that explains a lot. And so now the six-year-old that's now, you know, going to elementary school, there's this inherent struggle with her, not even just her, because I, I go to the classroom a lot, which is it's nice being able to work from home. I'm very involved in the school. I see kids that sit on chairs that allow them to rock back and forth. There's an actual term for it, but I don't remember. Um, but they move, they have to do certain things, or they have putty where they have to fidget. And it's just a way for them to get out excess energy so they actually can lock in. And until I had my diagnosis, I probably would have just ignored it, sure. uh, number one. But then two, even if I didn't ignore it, I probably wouldn't understand that there is a reason for those type of things. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong. Mm. It just simply means that unless she's able to satisfy some portion whether it's the hyperactivity part or whether it's the fact that it's more on the deficit side, then she can't, you, you can't excel, right? She's battling herself at this point. Um, and so for her, like, and even all my kids, it's probably more on the hyperactive side, like I said, but like something as simple as just walking, they don't walk anywhere. They run and it doesn't matter. Like if we're walking to the car, they're running to the car. If it's time to go take a bath, they're running to the bath. If it's time for dinner, they're running to the dinner table. It's just like, why can't you just walk? It's only five feet. That's just how they, that's just how their brain's yeah. wired. And it probably won't change. Um, you know, and it's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to fight that one. Uh, so it's interesting uh, looking at my kids. And again, I don't necessarily want them to have it, but it is okay if they have it. Um, like I said, they're a little bit young to be diagnosed with it, but there's so many mannerisms that they do just yeah. without thinking, right? And that's the big thing for me is they're not thinking as they're doing it. They have no idea probably that they're running a thousand miles an hour to the car. It's like the car is 10 feet that way. Yeah. Um, or the fact that they're sitting down with their iPad, but they're fidgeting constantly, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're just doing it without... It's like the subconscious movement. Um, and it's fine. It's okay. Right. I mean, my, my kids are pretty, pretty damn smart. They all walked early. They talked early. Um, sometimes I wish they didn't walk or talk as early as they did. Um, my two girls potty trained themselves. I didn't do it. Uh, my wife didn't do it. We just took that. We just took their diaper off. They figured it out. But again, that, kind of shows that you can still be very in, intelligent and aware of your surroundings and have all these different things going on with you. So like even my son, I mean, he started talking the earliest and he actually talks better <laughs> than my middle child. And they're almost a year and a half apart. And it's like mind blowing, right? Like he'll have a full blown conversation with you. Like he could, he could sit down and watch a movie and he won't sit. He'll be running on jumping and doing all sorts of crap. But he'll comprehend the movie mm. and talk to you in a full, like, full adult conversation. Wow. And he's not even three yet. But he probably has ADHD would be my guess. Man. I'm just 
I genuinely have goosebumps over here because I'm just thinking about your children and the fact that you were able to identify this within yourself and get this appreciation and this understanding when you weren't a child. So as an adult who can comprehend and process this, you're now setting up this environment for your kids in which they can be themselves and they can have support so early on. So I'm just like already thinking about like, they're just going to do such amazing things. And I'm just thinking about this potential that they have because you understood yourself and you understood and saw those characteristics and traits within them. And so like, as someone who is a child of someone who, a parent who had undiagnosed ADHD until they were 60, like just thinking back, like had my mom had that insight, would I have had more support, right? But yeah. didn't really talk about it then. They didn't really know. So no, no. I mean, it it was it was almost such a taboo thing to 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 have. Right. right? It was almost like it was uh, just a spaz, a, a, dis- right? a disability, technically. Yeah. So I think what it was, but it's interesting. So like my kids are on the hyper active side they got to move i obviously played a lot of sports growing up i played pretty much every sport but probably the favorite one that i've played is golf and that is the most like mundane boring sport you could play but when i got into it the reason i liked it is a hundred percent a function of my adhd because just like football Every shot's different. It's different clubs. I'm, if you listen to me, because I used to be really good. I used to be a, a plus two golfer, obviously being a pro golfer. But if you listen to the thoughts in my head, you'd be like, Terrence, what the hell are you talking about? Right. And I'm processing information like really, really fast. I'm looking at, you know, what's the slope of the green? All right. So even at the tee box, I'm looking at, okay, I want to hit it on this side of the fairway because it gives me a better angle into the green, which way is the wind blowing? Okay. Well, do I feel comfortable hitting a shot that goes left to right, right to left? Like all this information is going in, but it's constant. It's constant change for four to five hours of the round. Right. And I dig that, right. Kind of like football, it's constant communication and change for the duration of the game. And then all of a sudden, when you get into the working world, where do I find that? And I, I do believe that athletes struggle and, and battle depression and all these things because of a number of different reasons. But I think part of it is they, it's too slow for them. It's too boring for yes. them. All of a sudden it's, it's slow and boring. It's kind of like, all right, well, what's the point? Right, right. You know what, Terrence? I I feel like I have to bite my tongue because I want to have this whole second interview with you if you'd be willing later on. Yeah. Kind of talk about the athlete mindset and yeah. talk about kind of this other part of neurodivergence that is experienced a lot by athletes. And that's just like post-concussion symptoms, right? Yeah. Um, but I know if we get started on that, I will literally talk for three hours and I have to go for another client. <laughs> I do got to pick my kids up in like four hours. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So if you would be willing, I would be so excited to set up another interview. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just yeah. something I think we're both extremely passionate about. So. Yeah, actually, I was I was and I'm still thinking about it. I'm thinking about writing a book. I actually been oh. asked to write a book years ago and I'm still thinking about it. And it's it's really the transition from being an athlete to 
I want to say the real world, but like the working world and why is there this struggle for athletes that are clearly successful, whether you have an education or not, why is there a distinct disconnect for so many of them? And I think now with my diagnosis and the more that I learn and embrace and all these different things, I got a couple extra chapters that I could probably put in there. Um, Cause it's not, um, it's, it's, and I've talked too much about it, but it's not, the book was going to mostly highlight the positives in it. Yeah. Why guys can do. Yeah. Right. We're good at communication. We process information fast. All, and the list goes on. Um, but then I think there should be a section in there to why some guys can't. And I think now, you know, having this conversation and, and learning and talking to more folks, there, there's a distinct reason why they can't. Maybe they're looking in the, the wrong industry, yeah. right? It's not stimulating enough. There's not enough stimulation for them, mm-hmm. right? There's not a direct correlation. I mean, when I tell people I work for the Cowboys, their initial thought was, oh, you were a football coach. And I was like, I have no desire to coach. Sorry. Um, that's just not stimulating for me. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Um, and I got kids and I don't want to travel, but there is this disconnect that we could definitely talk about the next time that I think is pretty, pretty damn interesting when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Gosh, I really do too. And I think you're really onto something and you obviously bring a, a very first person lived experience of what it's like to be an athlete. And, you know, I kind of bring the experience of what happened with a lot of the guys that struggled to make that connection and that, that change after, after leaving football. So yeah. I'm excited to have that conversation and yeah. see where it takes yeah. us. Yeah. It, it'd be a, it'd be a hell of a conversation. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We might have to invite a, a couple others to join us too. Cause I think we got, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good people out there that either never found it or it took them a while to find it. Even for me, it took me, a while right to 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 figure it out but um yeah i mean it'll, it'll be a good conversation to to actually have that i think it'll blow a lot of people's minds well what a what a fun little uh, cliffhanger to leave everyone on huh <laughs> yeah i know right until <laughs> until next time until next time tune back in i will send you an email. <laughs> Wait, i'll do it don't worry i'm gonna send you an email and we can um schedule another time to have a our follow-up yeah, just let me know Okay. Yeah, well, Karen, thank you so, so much for your time. It's really been lovely catching up with you and seeing your yeah. face. So thank you again. Yeah, definitely. Talk it's soon, good to okay? Okay. Well, you let All me know. All right. Have a good rest of your day. My, you got thank my email. You. Just let me know. I sure will. All right. Okay. Karen, I'll see you. Bye. <laughs>